this isn't the first episode we've talked about bettering yourself in, but we're coming at it from a whole new angle. Embracing discomfort. Before you protest, I'm fully aware that it doesn't sound like an awesome time. But the truth is, you're probably already uncomfortable. We all struggle from time to time with big and small things, but my expert today shares why it's a mistake to let that define your current moment in life. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Christina Ramirez. Christina wasn't always the serial entrepreneur and business coach that she is now. Once upon a time, she was a mother just trying to make the work-life balance thing happen. But when she found herself missing important events in her children's lives, she knew she needed to change everything to make her life work for her. She's here today to share how we can address our everyday discomforts from an empowering perspective. Let's conquer our challenges one at a time. Welcome to the show, Christina Ramirez. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, it's so nice to have you on the show. Why don't you give an introduction about yourself for the audience? Sure. So I'm Christina Ramirez. I am a serial entrepreneur, which means that I just I'm constantly creating new things. Um, I am a motivational speaker. I'm an award winning coach and bestselling author of my book called Empowered by Discomfort. Yeah, and that is quite a lot of things, especially being a serial entrepreneur. What got you started you know, doing so many uncomfortable things? <laughs> well, um, my entrepreneurial journey, it started like for real once I had kids. Um, I did not want, I, my career started in investment banking and then I was in Silicon Valley and I did all kinds of things. But when I had kids, I I wanted to be there for them. Like that was, that was, I always wanted to have kids. They were my priority. And so I became a stay at home mom and that didn't go so well for me um, because I like, I was like, I, I need, I love my kids beyond anything in this world, but I, I need, my brain needed a little something else. Um, so I got a job and I became a preschool teacher and we all went to school together and it was lovely, but then they moved on and I missed my kids kindergarten Halloween parade. And you, by the way I felt, I felt like I was the worst mother ever. You know, I was like, how could I have missed this kindergarten parade? And that's when I knew I was like, I don't want to be tied to a job that doesn't allow me to be there for my kids or to do the things that I enjoy or, and take the time that I need to do the things that I need. So that's kind of when I left my, you know, a career with being anybody else's employee and kind of just started my own journey. Yeah. And that seems to be a very common thing we hear quite a lot where it's like, oh, you can either choose to be the stay-at-home mom that's always with her kids, or you can have a career. But, you know, the common fallacy, I guess, is you can't have both. Right. And I'm here as proof that that is just not true. So now you teach people kind of how to have that life, how to do both these things. And, you know, it's all rooted in discomfort. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we look at social media and we think that like intellectually, we know that it's not real. We know that it's somebody's curated experience, but we look at that and emotionally we compare our inside to that outside and we think there's something wrong because how we feel does not look like that. And then a lot of us either numb it or escape it or feel bad about it or push it to the side. And it's just, it's just like, it's a fallacy. It's just not true. We all have challenges. And so my whole point is that if we all have challenges, challenges are just like arrows, blinking arrows saying it's like, hey, this is what you need to work on right now in order to evolve to your next iteration of whoever it is that you're going to be. That's all that discomfort is. That's all that challenges are. So if we embrace it, then we get to grow from it. If we numb it, if we push it down, then we're going to be perpetually stuck and thinking there's something wrong with us. Yeah. Is there a way, because I know, you know, in my life, I always see so many projects that are out there and they're all kind of that challenge, right? Where it's like, oh, that could be the next big thing for me, or that could be the next fun, you know, task or project or whatever it is. Is there a way to know like in what order you should be taking on these challenges? Um, I don't know if there's like a scientific way of knowing, you know, or or anything like that. But I think that if you are quiet and you listen, like you'll know because there's something that's going to either be a bigger challenge than not, and that is going to take priority or you'll just be drawn, like something's going to get you more excited. So if, for example, you are walking around life and all of a sudden you get struck by appendicitis, you know, that definitely comes first. Like that's a big urgent um, discomfort that you have to take care of. Um, but if it's like, well, I could do this project or I could do that project and maybe the thing, but like underneath that is like, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, I need to make money because I need, my kid is going to call it. I don't, I'm just saying that because that's my case, right? Yeah. It's like my kid is going to college. And if my discomfort is I need to feel financially secure in order to be able to send them to college, then that's going to guide what project I'm going to attract, right? Because maybe both are really fun, but one is fun and monetarily better than the other one, then maybe I'll go there first. It seems like, and I know there's a lot of people I've met through podcasting and this kind of industry that I guess are a bit of workaholics. And mm -hmm. we tend to take on too many projects all at once. Where yes. you're like, I think I can handle this amount of challenges and you're very rapidly overwhelmed. Is there a way to like back down on some of those once you've started or are you just kind of in it for the long haul? Um, you always have the choice and you always have that power. And it, it's one of the things that I really hammer in, in, in my book is that, you know, it all starts with us and nobody can make us think something without our permission. So if it's something that is uncomfortable for you, that you see it's a cycle that you do over and over and over again, and it creates challenges for you in multiple levels, and guess what? You have the power to say, like, I don't think I'm going to do that again. It's a choice, right? And whatever actions we have and we do consistently, it's just a habit. And the same way that we created that habit, we can create a different one. But we tend to 
label ourselves. And our words are super important. And again, nobody can speak our words for us. So we have 100% control over this. So if my identity, if what it says, like, well, it's just that I'm a workaholic. And so like, I work all the time. Well, I just do, I do this to myself because I'm a workaholic. Can you believe it? I did this again. I was like, well, yeah, I can believe it because you're telling me, but you can change. Like there's no, there's no law that says like, well, once I'm a workaholic, always a workaholic, right? You have, you have the power to whatever it is that's not working in your life to change that. And I think it goes back to, you know, some of that, what you're talking about with social media is you see people out there that are always doing like their next best thing. And it's, you know, like you said, it's curated. They're putting that forward for you because you don't see all the struggles or all the other things that are happening, but it definitely impacts the way, you know, we live our lives because social media is so prevalent for so many people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, and again, I have teenagers and I, you know, we, I worry about what they're, what they're seeing or what expectations they're creating of themselves based on what they think is the right thing or what, uh, you know, whatever their, their mentors are, the people that they admire are doing. But if we educate people, especially kids in, okay, you know, like that, that is one that's a curated and, and we bring them and we empower them to own their thoughts and to own their actions then we diminish that a little bit. But if we don't empower our children and even our adults, because like I'm I'm guilty of this, right? Like, and I'm I'm an empowerment coach, but if we aren't conscious of that, then we'll, you know, we'll just follow along life thinking there's something wrong with us. But if we stop and we educate people, which is part of the reason why I love doing these podcasts is to tell people like, hey, you've got a choice here. Like just because it seems that way doesn't mean that it is. That's how you start to change that dynamic. So is this kind of commercial airline rules where you need to figure out how to empower yourself before you can help empower those around you? Kind of like the mask, like put your own on before you help others. 100%. Like, how can I sit here and tell you is like, oh, you have control over that if I had never done it myself. Right. Or how can I be talking? You know, I wouldn't give you financial advice because I don't have I don't know the first thing about that. Um, but of the things that I know, you have to have either experienced them or have so much interaction with it to be able to teach it. You cannot teach what you don't have. You'll be, you know, it, it, it's fake. And sooner or later, it will all come crashing down because inside is there. there is a thing. It's called like an imposter syndrome. You know, it's um, inside, you know, that you're, you don't know what you're talking about and that will catch up with you. Um, and, you know, it, it creates all kinds of havoc when you are not aligned with what you're doing. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is one of those I've started to hear a lot online mm -hmm. as people are like, you know, I'm doing this thing, either I'm succeeding and I don't feel like I've earned it or I'm you know, I'm working really hard and it's just like nothing's happening and I'm, I'm struggling to comprehend why. Right. Right. But imagine like for those people that are on social media and that they make their living out of social media, like the influencers or, or even somebody, you know, that are, is not that, but, but that has a, a persona that they're portraying. They're not allowed to change. They're not allowed to evolve. They're not allowed to show their weaknesses. So 
for them, you know, the way they've, they have the same conflict that we do looking at them because they're like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be, but that's not how I'm feeling. And that's really uncomfortable for them. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a way to live your life to say like, this is the character you play. It's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe yourself, but dialed up to 11 and you're not allowed to ever show yourself below that. Exactly. And, and never, you know, never says like, you know what, I'm going to be even numbers from now on. Like you can't change, you know, or, or, or without this huge um, turmoil of, well, why are you changing? Why did you make like you, you have to, it's almost like you, that's the persona that you are forever. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of that online. You know, I follow a lot of people, of course, I'm just like everyone else. I have a lot of things that I enjoy. And so I watch on YouTube or on Spotify or whatever else. And I have seen both of those things happen where a creator will say like, hey, I'm having a really tough time. I'm struggling mentally. I'm going through a lot of personal challenges. I need to take some time away. And I've seen the community react really positively to that to say like, mm -hmm. this is good. Take care of yourself. You know, we enjoy what you do, but we don't want you to harm yourself because you're doing it. And then I've seen the other side where mm -hmm. people are like, you have it so easy. You don't even understand what it means to do real work. Like your whole job is to be here for your audience. And now you're not even going to do that. And I'm like, those are insane. Like to be, that's the only two ends of the scale and nothing in the middle exists. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard, you know, but again, like for that person that, that like I'm on the team is like, Hey, good for you, you know? Um, but even for that person, they had the choice and they chose them and you know whatever somebody else thinks about that and the negative comment of course it's going to reach them and affect them to the extent that they let it and the same thing with you and i right like what somebody else if we say something or if we fall apart because of whatever reason and the haters out there or whatever like you you know that's on them and i get to choose how much of it i let influence me or not i'm not saying it's easy right? Because we all want to be liked. We are all kind of people pleasers in a way, but, um, but it is possible with practice. Yeah. Well, and there's still like, I guess a feeling of, of guilt or of some kind of responsibility when you hear, like I say, you know, I can't make it. I need to take this weekend off. I've really got to work on a lot of things for myself. And people will say like, that's okay. Take care of yourself, do good things for yourself, whatever it is you still like don't feel good like oh they accepted it mm. you're like oh i i think i really let them down and even if they didn't say like you let me down you're like i think i just let them down and then you kind of put that weight on yourself even if it's not true right but again that's a habit yeah. right because nobody like the person is telling you it's okay now the thing is that what i have found is sometimes if i'm a super judgmental person then I assume everybody else is a super judgmental person. And so when I do that, like if somebody did that to me, I would probably say, oh yeah, that's really good. But maybe inside I'm thinking like, what the, f I'm sorry, you know, like what the hell? Um, but it's a reflection of your internal struggle it has nothing to do with them. They told you that it was okay. So it's up to you to own that or not. So just because maybe you might think it's like, well, they're saying that, but they're really thinking that, that's on them. Like, I, like whatever you express, that's, that's what's on the table, not 
everything else that comes behind it. Yeah. Right. And then as the receiver, you get to choose, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take their word for it and, you know, and, or not, but again, like it's always coming back to that personal power that we all have. We just don't use it. And I think we've covered by now, you know, a lot of these things that are the very negative way to see it, the very non empowered, you know, stance to take. So what do we do? You know, if this is like step one, the baby step, I suppose, of mm-hmm. getting into, you know, personal empowerment, what are we supposed to start with? I think it, the first thing is awareness, right? Is is understanding that just because something seems to be one way doesn't make it true. We get to define that for ourselves. Um, so when I, I, I work sometimes with, um, with teenagers and I tell them, you know, there, as a parent, there's one thing that drives me bananas that I cannot control. It's like, I can control how much money I give them, what car they drive, what school they go to, to, you know, maybe team, but I can do all of that, but I cannot control what goes on between their ears, period. And if we just go back, like a step one is taking that power back for ourselves. Like whatever it is, whatever thought is coming out of our head, we have control over it. Unless you have you know, a, a mental health issue, or, you know, if you are for, you know, for example, when um, my husband passed away, if you would have told me is like, oh, Christina, you're just feeling these things, but really you have control over your thought. Um, I'd be like, I'd punch you. Right. I couldn't, there were just too many, too much stuff going on in my brain, too many chemicals and stress and things like that. But for most of us, and most of the time, there is a cord that we can grab onto that we can say, wait a minute, like, this is what I'm telling myself. And if I can tell the story, I can tell another story and change the story. It's just a habit. If you allow me, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one funny story. Um, have you ever heard or have you ever tasted their like Werther vanilla caramel candies? Have you ever had one? I think so. Okay. They're like these tough, they're like the most amazing candies in the world. Like, really. And they come in a bag and I would get a bag and I couldn't just eat one. I I had to eat the whole bag. And after a while, I started feeling really bad about that because it's like, I couldn't, I I couldn't stop. I had to eat the bag. And so to make matters worse, like my husband trying to be nice, he would go to the supermarket. He's like, I brought you your favorite candy. And I'm like, no, you know, because now I'm going to feel Bad. And and it just felt like something, it wasn't good for me anymore. So I got a candy and I put it, you can't see it, but like on my laptop, right in, under the screen. And I'm on my laptop all damn day long. So every time I would look at the candy, I would be like, huh, I'm somebody that has self-control because if I didn't have self-control, I would be eating the candy, but I have self-control. So I'm just going to keep typing. And every time that I would see it, I would tell myself that, and I know it's pedantic, but give it a couple of days. And then I was somebody that had self-control and I don't need to eat the whole bag of candy. I just had to train myself to go from one thought. It's like, oh my God, I have to eat the whole bag to I'm someone that has self-control and I can, I can eat the candy if I want to, but it's because I'm deciding to, it really is that simple. Yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of, I don't know if you feel silly or you know, what it is that you're like, oh, I just keep telling myself this thing. We are like, but if you keep telling yourself that it does become true at some point, like you start to believe because you've reinforced it enough that that is actually the case. 
Yeah. And I'm not a neuroscientist and I don't pretend to be right. But in, in my point of view, if I'm sitting there, it's like, I am rich and abundant and I am a millionaire and I look at my bank account and it's negative. That's kind of a stretch, right? Like it, it's like my reality and where I am and, and what I'm telling myself. So I know that I'm lying to myself because I'm telling myself I am abundant and blah, blah, blah. And I can't even afford to like buy a soda in the corner. That's not going to work. But something, you know, but if somebody was like, well, then how do I get to that point? It's like, well, then just one step right? Like one step above where you are. So maybe you're not rich and abundant and blah, blah, blah. But maybe it's like, I've got everything that I need. Or maybe it's like, I'm getting something that is more tangible so that you don't feel like you're lying to yourself. Because if you're lying to yourself, you're totally, like it goes totally, it backfires. You're not, it's just going to be a very frustrating route. But if I'm looking at the candy and I'm not eating the candy, and I'm reinforcing to myself, I'm somebody that has self-control because look at me, I am not doing that. Now you're talking. So is that kind of a process that piles on top of itself where you're like, you know, I now know I won't eat the candy and I know I have what I need to get by. And you just start kind of adding those things one on top of the other. And this process becomes like very much easier. Absolutely. Um, well, it's not necessarily that it becomes easier, but your capacity to handle things becomes larger. So I talk a lot about this thing called the 20% power principle of discomfort, right? And that everybody has challenges. Everybody has discomfort. It's not a hundred percent. It's, 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 and, and it's not a scientific number. I said 20 because it's statistically significant, but it's not overwhelming. Right. And you may tell me, it's like, oh, no, Christina, you don't understand. My life really is like 90% discomfort and 10%. I'm like, no, it's probably because you're focusing all of your attention on your discomfort. But you have to be ready to listen to that. Again, if you would have told me that when my husband died, I, I wouldn't just punch you. I would probably be more severe. Um, but when I'm able to zoom out and see, it's like, okay, I have a challenge, but that's not my whole life. I've got lots of other qualities too. So I handle that challenge, but that doesn't mean that now I'm 90% happy and 10% of discomfort. I'm still 20% of discomfort, but my container is bigger. So as a kid, maybe my 20% of discomfort was that I didn't make it to the baseball team. But as an adult, I can my kid maybe didn't make it to the baseball team. I have to pay the mortgage and my boss is, you know, an um, so I can handle more because I have that capacity to handle more. So it's not going to mean that it's necessarily easier. It just means that you will be able to handle bigger issues in life because you're prepared for it. So, you know, the, the Colton of 10 years from now will be able to handle things that the Colton of today is just like, oh my God, if that happened to me, I don't know what the hell I would do, right? In 10 years, like when those things happen, you're going to be a different person and you will your container will have grown so that you can handle that. It's, gonna, it's still going to be hard, but it's going to represent 20%, not the whole thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it it reminds me of this quote that I've heard and I have no idea where it came from. But it said, the worst thing that's ever happened to someone is the worst thing that's ever happened to them. And that's all about like, you can't compare, you know, whatever your struggle is to somebody else's where you're like, oh, like I'm getting divorced, but that person's spouse died. 
Like those, if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, like you can't compare them. They're not the same. It's still the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And so it's easy to, I think when that's the framework, right? Like this is the worst thing, whatever it is, even if it's not, but if your framework is, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It's very easy to let that kind of, you know, paint everything you see around you. Just add that tint of like, you know, despair almost to your worldview. And it lets that discomfort become that 90%. Right. But that's, you know, so there's this book that I love um, by this guy called Viktor Frankl. And um, he was a psychiatrist in a concentration camp. I mean, talk about powerlessness and talk about like the worst thing that has ever happened to somebody, right? Um, And he reframed that and, and tried to find his power because they could control everything, but they couldn't control his thoughts. And it's the same thing with that. It's like, yeah, so, you know, my my discomfort and your discomfort can be completely different. Um, and if something is the worst thing that has ever happened to you, then you're like, okay, but I'm handling it. Okay. That means, you know, so I can move on and I can grow from here. And if like toxic positivity to me is saying it's like, well, I did it so you can do it too. It's like, yeah, but we're not the same person, right? Like we all have our own paths, but I can I can say with pretty certainty that the worst thing that has ever happened to you, you're still here. You're still alive. And that means that, yes, it happened to you, but you still have a choice of how to react to it. The worst thing that has ever happened to me was my husband dying, you know, and my, my I'm a single mom, all kinds of shit happened. But I get to choose what do I do with that? Can't control that situation, can't control the pain, can't control that but my reaction to it is under my control and I can focus on that instead. Yeah. To be able to say like, you know, I'm, I didn't die. So I have the ability to move forward, even if it's, you know, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm, you know, I'm not through processing it. Like I still have the ability to process at some point, this will be complete, even if it's not today or tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So I was a a pack a day smoker or more like I was like a chimney. And um, when I wanted to have kids, I I quit smoking. And it was really, 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 really hard for me. And somebody told me there will come a day when the thought of smoking a cigarette isn't even going to cross your mind. And I was like, no way. And they're like, I promise. And man, I grabbed onto that. Because I knew that one day, the thought of smoking was never going to cross my mind. And that this was like 20 something years ago. Um, and the thought of smoking like never crosses, like it would never cross my mind. Um, so it's holding on to that hope. It's like, I'm in the thick of it, but I know it's going to get better. And I think that's what motivates people to keep going. I think despair is when you're in the thick of it and you don't think it's ever going to pass because nobody's supporting you to try to like get you from that muck and and show you a different way or whether you don't have the capacity. That's when it's a real serious problem. Yeah. And I think that hope is really like the highlight of things that we should focus on just as humans in our everyday life, like knowing there is a hope that whatever bad thing you're in the middle of will change because there's very few things that can never change. And even those things that don't change aren't generally like 
constantly applying themselves to your life, you know, in a way that like holds you back forever. Right. Well, I have a, a friend of mine who's quadriplegic and she became quadriplegic because of a crime, right? So this and in her 20s, like late 20s, and this was like Harvard grad. She was, she was set to have like this, you know, this life and, you know, she can't, she can't move. But her attitude, she'll, she'll say is like, well, yes, I wish that I could move. Like if I could rewrite my story, I wouldn't be quadriplegic, but I can do so many things with my disability right now. And she's a triathlete. She's a, a world record holder. She's, you know, scuba dives with sharks. She does um, Ironman triathlon. She does all kinds of things because she didn't let that external circumstance define how she was going to feel inside, right? So sometimes there are things that you like, there's nothing you can do. Like that's the worst thing that can happen. But again, you have the power to turn that into something that might be helpful. And that's that's the only way I know to overcome challenges, to change the meaning of what that challenge is. So instead of it being an you know like something that stops you, it's something that just lights a fire to just overcome. And once you overcome, then something else is going to happen. And that's okay, you know, like, because there's no, I'll be happy when. Like, oh, I'll be happy when I have this amount of dollars in my bank account or when I have this relationship or when I'm at this weight. That doesn't happen. As soon as you're you're close to the goal, the goalpost will move. So um, a lot of times, like I help people start a business and um, and they're usually moms and they'll be like, oh, Christina, can you help me start a business that makes $4,000 a month? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, that's what we do all the time. Really? Oh my God. Can you imagine? Four th- my life will change, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. We start working and she's at three and she's like, wow. I mean, four is just around the corner. Can you help me make like six grand a month? I'm like, yeah, of course. Oh my God, six grand. Can you imagine? Oh my God, six grand. And I would do this with my kids and I would do that, blah, 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 blah. So now we're working at six grand and she gets to five and she's like, oh, if I make eight, I have a six figure company. Do you think I can do that? And I'm like, sure. You know, like there's no law that says you can't have a six figure company. Of course you can. So now, but it takes more effort, right? Like now she has to hire a team. She has to do things that are a little bit different in order to get to that goal. So she's struggling a little bit, let's say at six six and or at seven. And she's like, why? Why is everything so hard? Why can't I ever get this? Like, why is everybody able to do that? But me, I can't. Like, why is, why am I never there? I totally forgot that you wanted four to begin with right? Like you blew right past that. And yeah, so there is no when the when is going to keep changing as it should, because that's how we keep growing. So the way to get over that is to just celebrate and realize every accomplishment you have on the way, because then you realize it's not about the dust. I used to hate that quote, but it's not about the destination. It really is about everything that you're doing and becoming on the way to a destination that will never arrive anyways. Well, and there's a very, you know, simple message in that that says like, you shouldn't try to aim for the very top of something. You shouldn't say like, I'm going to start a business tomorrow and I want to make a million dollars a year. Like you have an insane goal because you have no idea how to get there because you don't even have a day one business yet. Mm -hmm. But if you set your goal at like $4,000 a month, 
Like that's nowhere near a million dollars a year, not even in the ballpark. But if you make it to four, you can make it to six. And if you make it to six, maybe you can make it to eight. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, I, I make a hundred thousand a month. I actually make more than a million dollars, but it took a lot of steps to get there. And it's not like, you're not just going to jump from one end to the other. Cause I think that's a lot of people is they're like, I want to run a triathlon. And it's like, well, can you run a 5k? Right. But the thing is, so, so with the, the triathlon, um, so I was the girl in the back of the gym smoking pot, right? Like I was not your athlete whatsoever. Um, and when I had my kids, I wanted to be an active mom with them. And, um, and I ran a 5k. And when I ran that 5k, you would have thought I won an Olympic gold medal. It was like, oh my God, like I just, I just did that. Are you like, is that's crazy. And if I can do that, what else can I do? And so I started going and going and going. And then I started doing 10 Ks and half marathons and triathlons. And I ended up doing like three Ironmans, but the iron, like, so I, and I always had like this vision like, wow, it would be so cool if I was somebody that could run an Ironman, but I had to do the 5k first. Right. So it's okay to have that vision or to have that desire of having a company that makes a million dollars. That's what kind of puts a, a fire in our butts to to do the work. But I have to recognize that there are steps to get there. And it started with the 5K. It starts with the 4K business. It doesn't mean like let go of the dream of the million, but don't beat yourself up because you're not in a million by next Tuesday because there's certain steps that you have to get there. So there's a vision and then there's like the goals, right? And the the goals. And guess what? When you're making about 900K, like not even, like when you're at 500K, you're going to already want like a, you know, an eight figure business because that's just the way we're programmed. So. Yeah, it is for certain a moving goalpost because I think we set these top numbers when we're trying to be hyper-realistic, right? We're like, okay, I like, I can't run a million dollar business. I just don't have that ability, but maybe I could make $4,000 a month. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's attainable. And then when you start getting there, you're like, oh, I could totally do more than this. Exactly. Exactly. Which is that, that point, right? Like the, the Colton of 10 years from now is going to have a whole lot more skills and knowledge to be able to handle a lot more discomfort, to be able to have a lot more things. So I wouldn't know how to be Jeff Bezos, but he does, right? He's He's been through the process of how to get to where he is. That's all. Yeah. And you get to look back, I think, at your goals. Like the same thing when I started this show, when most people start other creative endeavors, is you're like, what if I just had, you know, two people a week? What if there's just two in the world somewhere that listen to the show? And now I look at that goal and I'm like, man, I was shooting <laughs> super low. <laughs> Like, I know that was like the promise I made to myself. Cause I'm like, if I had two listeners that just loved every episode, I would do this show forever. And I probably still have that mentality in me as long as there's somebody there. But I'm like, if I only had two listeners for every episode, I'd be really bummed out about <laughs> compared to where I am today. I'd be like, man, I am not growing very far. <laughs> Right. And I think sometimes it's confidence, right? And we say we we sometimes we set small goals because we don't think that we can achieve the big goals. So I'm always like, set the big goals, but try to be 1% better each time. So have the vision is like, I want to be an Ironman triathlete someday, have a million dollars one day, have 
X amount of listeners one day, but be okay with taking one step at a time. And this is not like, I I read this, you know, if you're 1% better each day in less than four months, you will be 100% better. So if you want to grow just like a little bit each time, don't let go of, of wanting to have these big things, but one day at a time. Well, and you hear, you know, on the opposite side of like seeing someone's total success, hearing someone tell you how they got to a point is really powerful too. Because mm-hmm. I just heard a story the other day about a 70 year old man who said, I'm in the best shape of my life. And he's not like a professional athlete. He has not, you know, started some insane gym journey. I asked like, well, how'd you get there? And he said, well, I started working out like obviously. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, great. You're retired. You have time to work out. Like, what if I don't have the time to work out? How do I get to the best shape of my life? And their story is like, I only do five minutes of working out a day. They're like, I picked five exercises. I do them for one minute a day. I'm in the best shape of my life. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. That can't work. And then I'm sitting here thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, but I don't do one minute of exercise exactly. consistently every day. But I definitely have five minutes a day. Like Everyone has five minutes in a day. Like it's an absurdly low amount of time. We stare into the abyss for five minutes a day. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, like if you want to run like the first step, if somebody were to ask me, it's like, well, Christina, like, how do I run a marathon if I've never run in my life? I was like, well, first start by putting the shoes next to the door. If that's all you do, that's more than you did yesterday. Then the next day, just walk around the block. And then the next day, maybe walk twice around the block or whatever, you know, but But you've got to start with understanding that it doesn't take that much. It takes it. The problem is consistency, not effort. You know, it's usually about just being consistent with with your actions. The same thing as changing your thought patterns. It's not that it's difficult. It's just that you have to be consistent. And that's, I think, where a lot of us struggle. Is it the kind of thing that we should be celebrating mile markers or should we be avoiding like making a big deal out of it? Can I, can I like run to the mailbox and then like throw confetti in the air and be like, nailed it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You should celebrate everything. In fact, like when I, when I'm working with somebody um, and I do this for myself, I have a brag book um, and nobody has to see it, but it's just the things that I'm like, did it you know, like every day. Um, And some days it's like, I didn't yell at somebody, you know, that is a win. Go me. And other days is, you know, I closed the deal or I did something like it doesn't matter. And when you celebrate you and, and um, there's this guy, a podcaster called Andrew Huberman. He's um, he teaches neuroscience on Instagram and I'm like, if there was a fan club, I would be the the leader. I mean, like, I love the man. Um, and he says, you know, that when we celebrate, our brains actually releases a chemical called dopamine, which is our feel-good chemical. And it's the chemical that says, like, oh, I want to do that again. It felt so good. I want to do it again. And so if you celebrate, then you release that chemical, which is just going to give you a little bit more motivation to do it again. And then you celebrate again and you do it again and again and again and again and again. So if you don't celebrate, not only are you depriving yourself of the the enjoyment of it, you're actually making it harder 
to get to your goals because you're not releasing all the chemicals inside of you that's telling yourself like, did it. All right, could do it again. Um, so celebrate everything. Like you made it to tomorrow. Amazing. Not everybody does, right? Nailed it. So. Well, and there is, I have heard both sides of this argument and I'd love to get your input on it because people have said, you know, share your goals with the people around you. Like, oh, I'm going to start my weight loss journey today, or I'm going to start my business today and it's going to do great or whatever. And they're like, people will hold you accountable for that. And I've heard other people say like, don't tell anyone. They're like, because when you tell someone, they will say something like, good job, or I believe in you or whatever it is. And that like dopamine rush of saying like, good job. You're like, oh, I already achieved it. I don't actually have to do it because they already told me good job. And so like, all I have to do is just tell people like, I'm going to do it. And they'll like, they'll feed into my dopamine without actually having to do the hard thing. Yeah. I don't know, because I think that regardless of what anybody else tells you, you know, right? And then when you start, then that imposter thing starts coming up and that's really uncomfortable. And when it's uncomfortable enough, then you'll do something about it. So I'm a big believer of telling people your dreams, but also telling the right people, protect your dreams. So if you want to start a business or, you know, like you're going on your health journey and you're like, I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. And then don't tell the people that are going to be like, no, you're not. Like you said this before, you've never done it. Or it's like, oh, here's some pasta. Would you like some? You know, like don't tell people that are going to not feed your dream, protect your dream. But for the right people that your supporters then of course, tell them. And if they tell you good job, you're like, yeah, really good job. That was great. Now I'm going to the next thing. And now I'm going to the next thing, right? You have control over that. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it, to like be very selective yes. about who you tell because not everyone is a cheerleader. Some people are like anchors and they will drag you down. Exactly. Because, but that's, and that's about them and not about you, but they're incapable of seeing that. And you're incapable of seeing that too. So you're going to go down with them. Like the, the, you know, the, the strongest frame always wins. So if somebody else has a strong frame that says like, well, you can't blah, 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 blah. And that frame is stronger than your certainty that you can, you're going to fall into that frame. But if you're certain that you can, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, because your frame is stronger than anybody else's. Right. But I, I definitely like I have big dreams, but I also protect them. You know, I tell a lot of people, but I tell people that um, that I know historically have been there and they're like, yes, you can. Come on, let's go. You know, here's how I can help you. Well, and it kind of leads into and there's a quote I love that I believe is a Martin Luther King Jr. quote, which is there's a reason you have two hands, one to pull yourself up and the other to pull people up below you. And that's very like, if you do have these people in your life that are maybe those kind of anchors that'll drag you down, if you tell them, like, instead, show them, show them that you can succeed and then try and like help them to do the same, especially if they're in the exact same boat as you, you know, so many of the people we know, we all have the same problems. So if you can show them, like, I got through it and here's how. Like you might lift them up and maybe they stop being so much of that anchor in your life. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, 
but also empowering them to make that decision for themselves. Because sometimes, um, you know, when you achieve something, those people that are anchors, they start getting really upset and resentful at you. And it's so much harder to bring them up until something inside of them switches or until you say it's like, instead of looking at me as a threat and looking at me and seeing something that you're not, look at me as inspiration that you can as well. Um, but that's the decision of the person that's the anchor, right? That's that's on them. That's not on you. You can offer, but they get to decide whether you're a threat or whether you're an inspiration. Absolutely. And I think that gives a lot of people a lot to think about. So I've appreciated having you on the show immensely. It's been a lot of fun. I was hoping to give you time to kind of plug the things you do and where people can find you if they're looking for more. Sure. So my website is empoweredbydiscomfort.com. And that's like the hub for everything that I do. And I do, I have coaching programs, I have um, workforce development programs, like corporate training, um, I have my book. And if you go there, you can learn more than you possibly want to know about me. It's all in there. I'm a very open book. And I tend to answer all emails. So if you go there and you shoot me an email, I may not answer it the same day, but I will get to you. Um, if you took the time to connect with me, I'm going to take the time to connect with you. So hop on over and, and just introduce yourself. Let me know who you are. Fantastic. Well, like I said, I've appreciated your time immensely. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank today. you for having me, Colton. I don't know why censoring things makes me giggle like a child, but I do love it. That's not even the takeaway from the episode. I just really wanted to share how certain words brings me perhaps too much joy. Anyway, I hope you all feel just a little happier or have been distracted from the issues. And now you're more prepared to face them with a shrug so you can get back to doing the things that make you feel good. It's a new month, but not a fresh week, so these shaken up rankings are actually not a mistake at all. At number one, it's the United Kingdom. Yes, the United Kingdom. In one of the very few times I have seen a country upset the US for first place. The UK is led here by Scotland. Number two, the United States, led by Texas and Oregon. Number three, India, making a return after some time away. Number four, Hong Kong, staying on the leaderboard. And number five, Ukraine. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've seen you in the top five. Well, everybody, that's it for this week. Have a great week. I'll see you all back here for the next episode. Until that next episode, please do all those things I keep telling you to do for the show and some of you haven't done, and I know because I check. Please go to wherever you're listening, rate, review, like, subscribe to this show, whatever it takes to do those things. You can also reach out to me at dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the social media platforms. But most importantly, stay dumb.